You're listening to the Driven by Design Now Awards podcast. I'm Mark Bergen, the founder of Driven by Design, and joining me is Kirsten Mann. Hey, Mark, we're up to number 15. Yeah, isn't it fantastic that we're doing number 15, collection 15 for the Now Awards, which gives a monthly curated set of projects for any design executive to turn around and stay up to, up to date with what's going on in the design world. And I've got to say, this month, it, like, we've actually found a set of projects. There's a lot of architectural projects in this month isn't there it is and and what that says to me is that the built space is helping to define the context of our future we we know there's digital services but as as you know working in product that they change every month mm-hmm. these built spaces that people start off there they're like these slow moving trains that then they need a lot of momentum but when they get going they carry themselves a long way well and this is what we're seeing here is what i love what's coming through these projects is people are starting to really think about and articulate the context of use. So why don't we jump into our projects and we'll have a little bit of a look here. So the first project I want to look at is a glacier in the Faroe Islands. You've been to the Faroe Islands? I have it, but from what I understand, it's quite an isolated place. Let's say the Faroe Islands is about the best thing that we can get to the moonscape. I think the Faroe Islands and also Iceland, mm-hmm. that those two locations have that nature where they're in the middle of the of the ocean they've got these incredible storm systems that come through and so you go from pleasant to terrible very very quickly so when you're thinking of buildings and things i imagine you want something that you don't want to be outside in that situation there are huge amounts of times you don't (laughs) want to be outside yeah and you want something that's quite enclosed and almost like microcosms in these places as well so what we've seen here is exactly that it is and and so what's interesting with this building is that you've actually had the uh, the ministry of culture who's responsible for the education, Landsberg, who are interested with infrastructure there, and the Bark Ingalls Group have come together to actually say, how do we create an educational system that looks after three educational institutions that are going to take young people from that period, which would be like uh, the United States College or O-levels and A-levels in the UK, that you're getting people who are saying, how do I actually set up my vocational platform Let's put them all in the same building and it will be higher education, tertiary education and the end of school. So if you look on the site and actually see the images and things of the design of this building, it's pretty amazing because exactly as you said, you've got essentially three schools that have been put into one building with very different purposes and very different focus, yet they each seem to have maintained their own identity and been able to utilise this space in a way that it looks really inspirational. Let's face it, how many schools have we seen? in the? Like, I don't know about you, but where I went to school, wasn't that inspirational, the environment? But it seems that what's fantastic is we're starting to realise that kids need spaces to be inspired. They do. And, and I want to actually tell you a little story about the idea of the power of inspiration. Mm-hmm. And it, it goes to the Australian Olympic sailing team and their head coach there, a gentleman named Victor Kovalenko. Now, Victor came out just before the 2000 Olympic Games and his nickname is the medal maker. So let me guess, he he makes medals. He does (laughs) make medals. medals. Well, he doesn't win them. What he does is he takes elite athletes who already have underlying skills and he manages to apply his system into their mind, actually transform them into gold medalists. Right. And how he does it, he's actually got a four-year plan for these sailors. Imagine it doesn't happen straight away. No, it doesn't happen overnight. Four-year plan, but it has three three stages. The first year is to excite the imagination 
version of the elite athlete that they could be a gold medalist. Mm -hmm. The second year is to work on their technique. And the third and fourth year is global domination. So I suppose what's really interesting here is there's a clear parallel with what we're talking about with education with kids here too. And so what I find interesting with this uh, Glacier project is that they're showing the future generations of people in the Faroe Islands that their imagination should be that their community values them Mm -hmm. and that the modernity that exists in their community has actually been invested in them to go into tomorrow to create a better future for them and their children and their grandchildren. So they've basically created the context to set their imaginations alight and, and have this burning curiosity, really, from their space. Exactly. And so that they've worked out how to go and create an integrated facility. So there's efficiencies there. If you go think about there isn't the stigma, you're going to one campus, I'm going to another mm-hmm. because you may have, I know you've got two children, I expect they're going to go into very different schools. So you've got that centralisation of what's going on. You don't have the differentiation, but then you've got the specialisation. They've really been able to go pull this facility off very well. Well, this is one that people definitely have to go and look at the site for. Where are we off to now? <laughs> we're off to Shangi Airport. <laughs> okay, so we're off to the Jewel Shangi Airport in, in Singapore. I don't think either of us has been to, to Singapore Airport recently. No. And so we actually haven't been able to see this no. in person. But, but actually, I know a whole bunch of people who have been there because the most astounding thing is that they're sharing photos of an airport to say just how awesome it is. Now, that's interesting in itself, right? Because I know you, for example, when you're at different airports, you say you deliberately bait people and you say, which airport am I in? And nobody can ever guess. So, listeners, I think I might have shared with you in the past that I worked out I fly more often than than the crew on long hair, long haul, you know, flights. And so I see a lot of airports and I keep finding out that I'm in the same place. I feel like I'm in Groundhog Day. You know, like there's four different types of furniture. Mm-hmm. The carpet's basically the same. The interiors look the same. They're nowhere land. But what's different here is that the, the Changi Airport, they've decided that they want to go make a space that is engaging to people because they've also got a huge amount of retail activation in their space. So this is the thing, right? Like if you've got basically a no man's land place where people just want to get in and out of as quickly as possible, you're not going to really be able to economise that, right? So what they've done is they've said, let's create an environment that people want to kind of hang out and from that, we'll get better use out of, out of our retail space. It's quite a clever move. So the two dynamics in retail space is earning per square metre or earning per square foot. And it's also amount of time in, in the retail environment. So if you're trying to go get a return on your investment out of a retail space, you need to make sure that the people are going to hang around the space. And the other one is you then have to work out how efficient your square meterage or square feet is. They've been able to go do both of this here and they've actually made an airport that you and I hate this word, but it's delightful. <laughs> okay. So it's a delightful and space. And it's quite distinctive, clearly. Distinctive and delightful. And so it's got the double D in there. But what I what I'm also enjoying about this project is that it's a recontextualization of what an airport mm. could be. And what we're finding is that airports are now only one form of transport hub 
that is working out how to actually give people a reason to want to be there rather than just transit through. And it's the classic, if you change the physical context, you can change people's minds. That's a pretty good theme, isn't it? It is. So where are we off to now? Well, we are going to Barhouse. So I've just come from Berlin. Really? I had an amazing time in Berlin. It is such a vibrant city. So did you go and see this museum? I must uh, – well, actually, I, I had the pleasure of a local was driving me around and I said to her, we're about to go past the Bauhaus Museum and so we did. But the Bauhaus Museum was originally put up in 1979. So it's pretty old. It is – let's say I think tired is the term. Right. <laughs> and And so – as the Bauhaus is going through its 100-year anniversary, the Germans are beginning to have a new understanding of how the Bauhaus movement has impacted the German economy. And it also then means that there's a refunding of the, of the museum that was built long after the Bauhaus movement was finished that the museum went up and it was it hasn't been given a lot of love between that 1979 and today but i think there's also been a huge movement in museum spaces right where people have realized and we see this in mona in, in tasmania for example where this space is equally and the context that provides is equally as important as the art that is just being displayed and and so what the Bauhaus movement was really interesting is what it was challenging the status quo to say that the next thing was likely to go and actually be more suitable to the contextual needs of people. And that's astounding because there was this movement which said maybe what we're doing isn't actually contextually relevant to people. So in our theme of context, we've got Bauhaus movement was all about context at its time. Mm-hmm. We've also got that the building was built in 79 and it's now no longer relevant and that they're looking at an extension to go and actually bring that context back. It's a beautiful piece of architecture that actually helps you feel like you're in a modern movement, not something that was either done in 79 or going all the way back to 1919. It's another one where people have to see the images, don't they? To they certainly the, do. The now, have a look at the site there for that. Well, speaking of images, I had to see this one also because I was like, this is the 17.6 metre squared apartment. Do you know how big or how small that is? Well, I was trying to work it out and I think you're, you're a bit of a metric tricks man but you can go to feet pretty quickly so i think we were saying it's roughly about four by four meters or it's about 12 by 12 feet yes which it isn't that big right? no <laughs> but actually it's a little bit bigger than that. it's more like 12 by 13 feet or four and a half meters by four meters so you, know, you gotta small, you can't right? take half a meter off when it's this small that's a lot and the, what's bizarre again another one to go and see because when you look at it you think wow you could actually put a lot in a pretty small space but what I love about this project because it used to be a former piano studio and it's in the centre of Taipei and basically the person um, the client really was only there infrequently and wanted a space that could they could just utilise occasionally now what I love about it is that they've created a space that supports her lifestyle so it's been designed for the context of you and and it's interesting if this was government housing and you put somebody into 17.6 square meters of space you'd actually be told that it was almost a human you know a human crime or a, <laughs> a rights violation it's something that shouldn't be done to them but but in this case here this is like a tiny house but in a in a structured building and it's suitable for the for the client's needs as yeah. you were mentioning and contextually it enables them to go live the life that they're living which makes us we've got to go consider not everything that's done as a standard is 
contextually correct. Mm. So this is beautifully executed. It's a delight to go look at. But the interesting thing is it meets the human need. So what's our next project, Kirsten? Well, it's actually our final project. Of course, we've saved the best for last, right? As and always. And part of what I love about this is the naming. And, and it is an awesome name because you've got to stand back and think of its origins to then work out the phonemes and how it comes together. So we normally talk about people being disabled and what they've done here is that beautiful play where they're saying disables. And what does that mean? They've, what they've gone is enabled people, right? So they've got – it's basically the concept concept is that they take IKEA furniture and do an accessibility hack, so to speak. With with spare parts with from spare IKEA. Part and basically access enablement for these people. So it's really they're saying they're giving furniture and they're not just focusing like because there's sites that do IKEA hackathons everywhere, right? And this is I think what's so revolutionary on this is they've augmented the product and changed the concept to for people with have special needs. Earlier this year I had some special needs because I actually broke well I had two fractures one in my left hand and one in my right arm and some things that were very simple all of a sudden became very hard mm. so the idea that I could turn around and which that was a temporary impairment that I could have actually thought well I can get some spare parts from Ikea I can turn around and get a new door on the on the cabinet in my bathroom and I would have been able to open it like that's liberating it is and it's it's clever right this is something that is you could imagine this this would make a difference to so many people just by a few tweaks. So there's so there's a couple of a couple of considerations about varying abilities. Mm. There are people who have varying abilities from birth. There are people who have acquired varying abilities, and there's also people who wind up with varying abilities because of diminished ability. Mm-hmm. And I think you know what this addresses here is all three of those categories. There, it, it's pretty simple if somebody's got a, a birth ability challenge that that we've got that sorted out it's it's the shock that comes in Mm. when you've had an accident or that you've got diminished capacity that is seems to be the most challenging for people and the idea that your basic ikea furniture can be augmented to actually give you ability for something which is diminished, that's absolutely liberating and changing the context. And that's what I call innovation, right? That That is the essential definition of innovation. And I want to go back then to, you know, because we, we've travelled a long way here in, in some of the ideas of where design is. You know, the Bauhaus in 1919 was actually trying to make us understand that form and function, that you could make something that was delightful, but it would also actually meet the, the human need. What this project does here is it actually shows us that maybe it's actually not the most stylish thing maybe it's actually about the enablement and empowerment in that change in context which is another chapter that we need to consider a beautiful IKEA cabinet or, or piece of furniture but with the right enablement augmentation now becomes useful and has broad access for everybody I, I you know I think it's actually important that we open up our minds to what design for a hundred percent of the population is mm-hmm. not just for under 10 percent of the population that's how we get to a better future by including everybody not just those who might be a, a special sub-audience. So we can clearly see why this is our project of the month. Absolutely, Kirsten. So, listeners, it's been an absolute delight to go help you rapidly understand these projects here. As you know, there's going to be another 20 projects which are part of the collection. I do recommend you take some time to go look at them. These were our five 
most remarkable projects that were there. We'll have another 25 projects for you in a month's time. But I also want to make you aware of the Design in the Boardroom podcast series that's coming up. And please look out for that. 21st of, of June, we'll be dropping the first of 40 podcasts. We know you're going to enjoy them. And again, thank you for listening to the Driven by Design Now Awards podcast.